0: I just want to say, growing up, I always knew I wanted to do something big in the world. Brittany Griner is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And I never knew sports um, was going to be my outlet. But, uh, you know, with sports,
1: I have a lot of media attention and a lot of Um, spotlight on me and
0: I'm able to use that universally acknowledged as one of the top 10 or 20 players in the history of the WNBA and one of the three or four best players right now
1: that is Jason He he's a global opinions writer at the post and he has been closely following the case of Brittany Griner whose life has suddenly ended up at the center of a massive geopolitical conflict
0: She plays for a Russian team during the WNBA offseason. She was going back to Russia to begin uh, that season last month in February and was apparently arrested at the airport and charged with possession of drugs.
1: Jason says that there's reason to be skeptical of those charges, especially given the timing.
0: I think a lot of people will look at it and say, oh, wow, wrong place, wrong time. But I think that there's another way to look at this, that it was potentially premeditated. Mm -hmm. This is a high-profile American athlete, internationally known and admired with a large fan base, taken prisoner just as the arresting government was invading another sovereign nation that happens to be an ally of the United States.
1: From the newsroom of The Washington Post...
0: This is Post Reports.
1: I'm Martine Powers. It's Thursday, March 17th. Today, we're talking to Jason about Griner's arrest. According to Russian state news, a court there has now extended her detention through May 19th, which will be three months after her arrest in February. And there's no indication of whether she would even be released then. The fact that she was in Russia at all brings up these issues of pay disparities in women's sports. Many WNBA players like Reiner play overseas during the offseason to compensate for salaries that are much lower than that of male players. But right now, the most pressing questions are around how much we don't know. Should we believe these charges against her? A lot of what we're hearing is coming from Russian state news. Jason says that we need to take that with a huge grain of salt because of Russian disinformation. Plus, according to U.S. Representative Colin Allred, Greiner has not been able to talk to anyone from the U.S. embassy. Normally, they would get involved when an American is arrested overseas. So Russia has not been forthcoming about any of this.
0: They kept that news of her arrest under wraps for a couple of weeks. Hmm. And didn't announce it until sanctions on Russia were starting to be implemented. Wow. That in itself makes one think, is there a political motivation to this? Mm-hmm.
1: Like, could, could this basketball player be used as essentially political leverage. A, a, bar, a bargaining yes, chip? Yes, exactly. For Jason, being a bargaining chip in a conflict between two adversarial countries is a pretty familiar situation. Back in 2014, he was arrested in Iran on bogus charges and kept in prison for 544 days. He was finally freed in an agreement that was brokered as part of the negotiations over the Iran nuclear deal. Jason Rezion is coming home. A courageous journalist for The Washington Post who wrote about the daily lives and hopes of the Iranian people, he's been held for a year and a half. He embodies the brave spirit that gives life to the freedom of the press. So, Jason, I think that what people see in this moment with Brittany Griner is very similar to what happened to you, that your imprisonment sort of intersected with this high-stakes geopolitical moment. So I'm wondering, what was your reaction when you first saw the news about Griner and about the situation that she's in
0: right now? My first thought was, this sounds a lot like what happened to me. And I understand that 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 may prove not to be the case, But I think that we have to steel ourselves for that possibility that it is that way. In my arrest and detention, it was at a time when there were negotiations going on between the U.S. and and Iran and other world powers at the highest level that they had been since the Islamic Republic was founded in 1979. And there was good reason to believe that with time and attention, On my imprisonment, it would be really difficult for the administration to secure a deal with Iran and -hmm. leave me behind. But as I learned in the process and as I experienced firsthand, the whole thing almost fell apart right at the end. So, you know, I, I think, you know, we often talk about being able to walk and chew gum at the same time. I mean, I think American officials have the ability to, to do this. More public attention on, on the case of any American detained abroad makes their work more, but it's their responsibility. Ultimately, it's their responsibility, and the fact that Brittany Griner, as far as we know, has been denied consular access is a huge red flag. So that's the first part. The second part is that we know that the WNBA and her family tried to keep this quiet. But the fact that her mugshot and allegations are being surfaced in the Russian media means the cat's out of the bag. This is not a secret. Oftentimes, when somebody is being held hostage or detained, uh, the family, the government wants to keep it quiet to try and figure out a way to negotiate a release before there is a lot of attention put on it.
1: That once there is more attention about It Becomes more complicated, Yeah, and that the stakes get higher for each party, and it's harder and harder to negotiate.
0: And, And, you know, there might be some truth to that in some cases. But I look at the Russian state media putting out this mugshot and the allegations that have yet to be proven true as sort of a, a shot across the bow. This is a narrative that they control at this point. You're not doing Britney or any other American being held any favors by not talking about it hmm. publicly. On top of that, she is an internationally recognizable celebrity, right? Yeah. There is a change.org petition out there. The last time I checked, there were tens of thousands of signatures on that petition. People know about this. If you look on social media, people are talking about this. Some people say we shouldn't be talking about this. They're still talking about it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? That there's not
1: much at this point to be gained from trying not to talk about it because—
0: And I understand the motivations. I come from a camp based on my own personal experience Mm -hmm. that uh, you're not doing a service to that fellow citizen who's being held— One, the more attention that is paid publicly, generally, the treatment of that person is going to be better, right, Hmm. during their captivity. And two, the supposed charges against Brittany Griner carry 10 to 20 years of prison time. I don't want to see her do 10 or 20 years in prison.
1: So it seems like the U.S. government has been pretty quiet about this so far. Why do you think that is?
0: First of all, I think that the, the government always has to take a lead from the family, right? There's a lot that we don't know because potentially Brittany Griner's representatives, her family, WNBA, may not have given permission to the U.S. government to talk about this. From my experience and, and from the experience of other people and, and other cases that I know about, there are probably multiple factors within the U.S. government hard at work trying to figure this out. There are Foreign Service people who work on Russia trying to glean insight into why she was arrested, you know, verifiable evidence against her, what the motivations were, if there are motivations. The Office of uh, Hostage Affairs, which looks at these cases to see if it's a wrongful detention. If it is, you know, are there connections that we can make with people within the Russian government or intermediaries that we might be able to go to to talk about potential deals to secure her release. There are members of Congress, those who represent Brittany Griner from Texas, but also more political-minded people who want to make this a matter of trying to punish Russia, Mm -hmm. right? And my response to all of those people is that this is not a partisan issue. Hmm. It's an American citizen has rights, those rights are being denied, at least some of them, as far as we know, right? Mm -hmm. We should be doing everything we can, one, to get her free, and two, to figure out what the motivations are in her being detained. And if they are deemed to be politically motivated, it's part of a a serial crime Mm -hmm. that is going on in Russia. Paul Whelan and Trevor Reed are two other Americans who are wrongfully detained there. In Iran four Americans being detained right now. In China, at least a dozen Americans being detained or barred from travel. Venezuela, eight Americans being detained. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And as long as we don't have deterrent capabilities in place to make hostage taking costlier for those taking hostages Mm -hmm. than the perceived benefits, we're going to be dealing with this for a long time to come. What are the ways in which we could make it more costly? There are multiple ways. One, uh, we have something called global Magnitsky sanctions, which are sanctions that can be used in a targeted way against officials who are involved in hostage taking and other forms of terrorist activity. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's what this is. So,
1: so what what would that look like? Like the hostage- seizing
0: their assets, putting travel bans on them, and international arrest warrants. And
1: make it harder for individuals if they decide to take part in the process of imprisoning this person. And
0: as these things become more aware in the public consciousness and are activated and used against perpetrators, it can become an effective deterrent against people who would be inclined to do this.
1: After the break, we'll talk about what else lawmakers could be doing to help American hostages overseas. i not a member of Congress who doesn't believe that we should be focused on, on bringing home every American who is being held hostage and is wrongfully detained. It's more an issue of making sure that this is a priority for my colleagues. We'll be right back. So, Jason, you and our colleagues in the opinion section have been doing a lot of reporting on Americans who are being held overseas by foreign governments. And you've even worked on this documentary It's called Bring Them Home. It focuses on one family that's in this situation. So, unfortunately, what you found is that this problem is getting worse. Can you talk a little bit about what you've learned while working on this?
0: Traditionally, hostage-taking was an enterprise undertaken by terrorist groups and criminal gangs. Governments were not really in that game over the last several decades. But also, the hostages are taken by terrorist groups to uh, do something really audacious, Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. scare people, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And oftentimes, in those cases... The hostages are murdered in the process of of being held. What we see with states taking hostages is people languishing in prison for very long periods of time, having to be subjected to kind of opaque and quasi-judicial processes um, that don't hold up to scrutiny or any international standards, and, and having to sit for very long periods of time until the U.S. government and this happens to to citizens of the UK, Canada, Australia, Western European nations as well, until their governments are able to negotiate a release. It's what happened in my case. It's what's happened in in many other cases uh, in the last 15, 20 years in an increasing way to the extent that now there are 40-something Americans being held hostage by states and only four being held Uh, by terrorist organizations, Mm, mm -hmm. right? This is a sea change. You know, in the post-9-11 and the early years of ISIS, it was the opposite.
1: And and what does that say to you, the fact that hostage-taking has now become more of an endeavor done by actual governments than by criminal organizations or terrorists?
0: It tells me, one, that we've done a decent job of pushing back terrorist groups. Mm. But we've not done a good job at figuring out how to counteract adversarial governments who use their sovereignty and their supposed independent judiciaries as tools of foreign policy. This is a weapon that that they are able to exert against us. And every time that we push back, they say, well, we have independent judiciaries, you know, this is a, a legal matter in our country. Almost never is there a a are there, there in these cases, mm-hmm. right? And so we wanted to really shine a light on that issue and through the story of one family, Washington, D.C. family, the Shargi family, who is currently trying to get their husband, father, Ahmad, who's being held in the same prison I was in Iran, get him out and the ways that they've gone about advocating for his release.
1: He's a very positive person, and he doesn't complain ever. His voice has started to get a little bit, like, wavery recently, and I think he really hoped he would be home for Christmas. And you could kind of sense that when that day came and went, it kind of crushed him.
0: The members of Congress that they've spoken with, they don't have a, a member of Congress uh, that, that represents them in the same way that, that somebody who lives because in other states. In D. C. Or, <laughs> because they're in D.C. Because they're in D.C. How the State Department, how the White House, all of these interactions and... And unfortunately, we've been working on this for nearly a year. He's still sitting in the same prison that I sat in for 544 days.
1: Can you talk a little bit about the U.S. officials who spoke in that documentary and how they talked about their approach to hostage or or wrongful
0: imprisonment situations? Look, I we I get a little frustrated when when we talk about this issue because I, I don't want to blame members of this administration, the previous administration, or any administration, for the fact that Americans are being taken by other governments and and held as hostages. Uh, But it upsets me that the response is generally quite flat-footed, that we respond as if this is the first time that this has ever happened, rather than responding to it as the serial crime that it is.
1: Can you give me an example of that?
0: Well, look, I mean, first and foremost, the public-leaning messaging on these is kind of hard to understand. Russia comes out with a video uh, from the airport and a mugshot of Brittany Griner, and the State Department's response is that, we're following this and we're very concerned. Tell us what is going on here and what are you doing to win her release? The other thing that comes into play is this idea that the safety and freedom of a single American citizen is not going to get in the way of larger geopolitical discussions. It's rare that they will say that directly, but in the film, one representative did say that.
1: Are, are there limits on what we can do? Sure. Like there's, there's not, we're not going to release all, lift all sanctions on Iran for them to return hostages. That. That that's not realistic. Are there lots and lots of creative things that, that we could do and ways that we can approach this? There's a lot here, and we ought to be thinking about all of it.
0: Congressman Ted Deutsch, who I have enormous respect for, he has started a task force in Congress specifically around hostage affairs and trying to come up with, a, with an adequate deterrent for this. And I think what we're learning is that the U.S. government is slow to the party, you Mm -hmm. know, with families of hostages. In February of 2021, he signed on to kind of communique with 60-something other nations condemning the use of wrongful detention in bilateral international relations. But even in just saying that, you know, uh, long term, (laughs) you get away from the fact that what we're talking about is Citizens being held hostage. Mm -hmm. Call it what it is. Mm -hmm,
1: mm That there's a resistance to even say the word hostage.
0: And I think a lot of that resistance comes from the government lawyers, right? They'll make the argument that, you know, it's going to make it harder when we arrest people from other countries on charges that they might disagree with. You know— I've been through uh, a legal process in the Revolutionary Court in Iran. Uh, I've sued the Iranian government in American courts. Mm-hmm. I understand the distinction between what a real court is and um, and what a uh, a farcical one mm-hmm. looks like.
1: And that using the term hostage rather than kowtowing to this idea of wrongful imprisonment—that that is just part of the transparency around what's just really be happening transparent
0: here. About what's really happening. Call it what it is and condemn it for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this idea that we're going to upset the hostage takers even more, the subtle distinction between a state taking a hostage and a terrorist organization taking a hostage. And actually it's not that subtle, but you know, usually the the, the state taking the hostage is trying to get something in return. They don't want to keep that person any longer than they have to, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not saying that we should be paying whatever concessions they want, but until we have deterrence, the only way to free Americans being held hostage is some sort of concession. But it's frustrating, right? Um, Because I am a victim of this. I know what it feels like to be an innocent American doing my job in a foreign country where I have the right to live and I have the right to work and I'm doing it transparently. To be abducted from my home, along with my wife, blindfolded, handcuffed, put in a van, taken to a prison, put in prison clothes, have mugshots taken, thrown in solitary confinement in a room with artificial lights that are on 24 hours a day. The only time that I come out is to be interrogated relentlessly about things that I didn't do and to have that drag on for 544 days. During that time, the people who are holding me hostage have leveraged their state media against me to create a, a, a version of reality that's farcical, but I have no way of responding to. They've taken my voice away from me. They're not giving me my right to legal representation. They're not giving me consular access to people who are responsible for my well-being. In the meantime, the lawmakers in that country are demanding that I be executed the foreign minister of that country uh, is coming to the United States to take part in negotiations and further digging a deeper ditch for me mm-hmm. by, in a murky way, saying there is a there there in in the case against me. Mm-hmm. I understand this. And this is an incredible abuse of power. When an entire political system uses its different organs to attack and abuse one innocent person who happens to be from an adversarial country. Mm -hmm. I think we have to look at this in a way where, you know what? Yeah, we're going to stop. We're not going to be a party to negotiations that are hamstrung by the fact that you're holding innocent Americans hostage. But we're not at that point yet where we can make that kind of demand, unfortunately, because everyone looks at this hostage-taking still as a bilateral problem.
1: That theoretically, all these countries could say, look, none of us are willing to participate in this negotiation until you free all of our collective hostages, of which there are many, but that's just not a decision that they're willing to make.
0: I don't think it, it's a theoretical decision. I think it's a political one that needs to be made at very high levels of government. And if it's not made, we're going to see this happening more and more and more. Mm-hmm. 40 plus Americans being held hostage by states right now, what happens when it's 400? Is the U.S. government going to get involved in negotiating the releases of hundreds of American citizens who are being held hostage by, I'd like to think so. I kind of doubt it. And when that happens, are you and I going to feel safe getting on a plane and going anywhere in the world? Hmm. I know I'm not. If
1: you could talk to Brittany Greiner right now, what would you tell her?
0: If I could talk to Brittany Griner right now, I would tell her, first of all, to steal herself. This is probably a marathon, not a sprint. That she has the opportunity to be a friend to herself or an enemy. I hope she's not being held in solitary confinement. That's an extreme source of pain. It's a form of torture that no one should have to endure. If she is, that she can and will survive it that there are much brighter days ahead of her. But most importantly, that people care. A lot of people care. I didn't know that for a long time. My captors were telling me the exact opposite, that they had reported that I had died in a car crash and that everybody believed it. That my family was sad, but they got over it. That the Washington Post hadn't done anything. All you got to do is look at the... Headlines and, and the paper and bylines that came out between July of 2014 to January of 2016 when I was released. Mm-hmm. To no, understand that that's, that's a lie. That's not true, yeah. But I, I had no way of knowing that. So I'd love the thing more than to have the opportunity to be transported to wherever Britney's being ho- held right now and tell her these things to her face. I'm hoping that efforts are underway and they're successful in securing a release, I just don't know if that's happening or not.
1: Jason Resign is a global opinions writer for The Post. He's also the executive producer of Bring Them Home, this incredible documentary film about the fight to free Ahmad Shargi from Iranian prison. It is fascinating and powerful and moving, and I really encourage you to watch We'll have a link to the film in today's show notes and at postreports.com. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by jordan Murray Smith. It was mixed by Sam Bear and edited by Maggie Penman and Robin Amor. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.